All right, the official pod is presented by WinBet Betting. It's a team sport. Bet together at WinBet. We're joined now by Steve Palazzolo, the head of football product and co-host of the Pro Football Focus NFL podcast. You are a very busy man. Let's dive into some Jets talk here at Super Bowl week. I know you're not going to be talking too much about the Jets, but what did you think about the Jets' defense's turnaround this year, going from last in the National Football League to top five and basically every very important category? Yeah, I mean, I thought it was just the way the the team building process has gone over the last couple of years. It just it kind of made sense that they did make this leap forward. I think one of the biggest moves, I know Sauce Gardner gets a ton of credit and all that stuff, but from a process standpoint, they picked him at number four overall. That doesn't always happen, right? Like it, it, we know before the draft, we had Jets fans yelling at us when we mocked a corner. You know, yeah. like, you know how mock drafts go. And they were like, no, they're going to build in the trenches. They're going to get another edge. They're going to get Jermaine Johnson and all this stuff. And the fact that they took Sauce Gardner, I think that was the reason, right? I mean, they had done a good job of bringing in Carl Lawson the previous year, even though he got hurt. They had done a good job of adding in the trenches. But at PFF, we see a lot of numbers that say, look, you, you want to have a good defensive line, but if you build from back to front, if you build in that secondary, that's when you take the big leap. And Sauce Gardner was a big part of that. So I think that's a huge part. Adding in DJ Reed, yeah. you know, I think they systematically built that defense, and they, they didn't neglect corner over the last couple of years, but they didn't get to it yet. And I think last year they got to corner, right? They got the draft pick in Sauce, they bring in DJ Reed, and that was what the big step was. Health up front, of course, Quinn and Williams taking that next step forward. So it made sense to me. I wasn't yeah. predicting it necessarily, but the way the team had been built, it makes sense that they took that big leap as a defense. Do you think the defense now has staying power the way it is currently constructed? Three pro bowlers at every level. You have Quinn and Williams, C.J. Mosley, they aforementioned, Sauce Gardner. And then what's the next step for them moving forward, do you think? Yeah, I mean, de staying power for a defense is a challenge just in football in general, right? I mean, if, if you look at failed predictions in past years it's when you always predict that the defense is going to stay good right um so it, it's not something we say hey we're going to be top five perennially they, not many teams actually do that um but they have the, they do have the pieces though and it starts in that secondary i love uh the pieces that they do have there and in their strong i think just continuing to add depth on that defensive line is important in marrying pass rush and coverage, right? I mean, those, those are the, it's, it's still a pass first league. You do want to be able to stop the run and all that stuff, but they have the pieces to rush the passer and to, to play solid coverage. But to say, hey, they're going to be top five every year, usually top five defenses, it's, you know, when they don't play great quarterbacks. It's really challenging when right. you play a tough quarterback schedule. So I do think they have the elements. I like the way they've been built. It's just a matter of continuing to add and not, you know, sit and say, hey, we're going to be great. You always have to add more pieces, especially depth in the secondary, because that's where it can all fall apart really quickly. It's interesting looking back at the Gardner selection, because I think a lot of people looked at Salah's past, Robert Salah's past, and said they get corners later. Right. Where they didn't peg a lot of these mock drafts and say, well, Sauce Gardner's going to go to the Jets. But the Jets, they stay true to their board there, Salah and Douglas, and they're pay that's paying dividends now. And, and, and again, I think it's an analytically sound move because staying true to your board is one thing, but to have Sauce Gardner that high on your board when historically, you know, only a handful of corners, your Patrick Petersons or Jalen Ramsey's might, you know, be on teams' draft boards in the top five. One, they evaluated Sauce Gardner to be that good, but two, I'm guessing they had Derek Stingley probably in that same that same bucket, I think we're starting to see maybe the value of that true number one corner 
around the NFL, and maybe those guys should be getting drafted when they're available, get drafted a little bit higher than they have in the past. Offensively, small sample size for Brees Hall. But what did you see from him in seven games? Explosiveness. I mean, the, the, the big playability, right? I mean, we talk a lot about running backs are, I, I say this very kindly as much as I can, they're the most interchangeable position in the NFL because they're dependent on so many other things. But once a guy's put into a situation, I'm, I'm a stickler. I love speed, right? I love big plays, right? And he created big plays, right? Whether it's that other end around against the Packers for the big touchdown. I mean, he's just creating big plays into the pass game as well. And that's huge, especially when you have playmakers on the outside. They've got, you know, the, the tight ends that can work the middle of the field. Having a running back that can take it to the house. And we did see the offense was different without Brees Hall in there. So I think that's the biggest thing. You're never building an offense around a running back in today's NFL. You know, Garrett Wilson's going to have far more production than Brees Hall and have more of an impact on the team. But be, as, as, that, as the offense develops and teams have to start trying to take away the pass, it opens up running lanes for Brees Hall, who could take it to the house. We'll get to the quarterback here in a second, but other areas in need for the Jets as they enter the offseason here? I think you have to attack the offensive line yeah. again. Obviously, you're not necessarily predicting those injuries. Who knows what happens, though, with Mekhi Becton at this point in his career. Um, I think George Fant has been up and down. I mean, so I think just both tackle positions, you probably need some depth there. Love what Elijah Vera Tucker's done when he's been healthy. Yeah. And it's another position I think systematically they improved, right? On paper they improved before the injuries, and they did it with a little bit of drafting, a little bit of free agency. They have to continue there so that this year doesn't happen again where they're you know depleted. You want to have better depth there. The Jets say they are committed finding a veteran quarterback or targeting a veteran quarterback. Who makes sense for them? Well, Aaron Rodgers seems like the most obvious one, right, <laughs> with Nathaniel Hackett and everything. But yeah. It's an interesting one because I do think there's several upgrades out there, but we're in a, you know, a Derek Carr is an upgrade. If um, the rumors out here on Media Row that perhaps Aaron Rodgers wants to become a Tennessee Titan or could end up as a Tennessee Titan opens up a Ryan Tannehill. I mean, all those guys are upgrades, I believe, as much as Mike White was impressive in his limited time. I don't think you're, you know, expecting that necessarily. You're not going to build around Mike White. So I think Ryan Tannehill, Derek Carr are both upgrades. Jimmy Garoppolo is an upgrade. The fascinating thing around the NFL now, though, is there are teams moving on from those quarterbacks, and then there's teams like the Jets who are saying, we don't have one, let's, let's go, right? Let's, uh, let's get that next guy because he's going to improve us. So You mentioned Rodgers, obviously the connection there with Nathaniel Hackett, but beyond that, from a system perspective, when you're looking at Hackett, uh, what, do you, what do you see when you look at that quarterback radar right now, the guys who potentially could be out there in – at the start of the league year. I think Garoppolo makes sense. I mean, obviously Rodgers, but I mean, I, th I think Jimmy Garoppolo makes sense. It is that West Coast, you know, quick-hitting, passing offense, similar to what the Jets had previously with Mike LaFleur. So I think Jimmy Garoppolo would make sense. Derek Carr, I think he could fit into that system fine. He played under Gruden. You know, it's, simil it's, it's similar. It, at this point, it's maybe Tannehill is the guy that fits the least into that, into that group. He's going to be a little bit – you want to be a little bit more play-action, uh, intermediate pass-heavy with Tannehill, but I do think – Garoppolo and Derek Carr make sense beyond the, the Aaron Rodgers. What do you think about the roster build here from Joe Douglas, especially what he did last year in the draft? Oh, man. I mean, I, I thought last year's draft was good. I mean, there's, there's, he picked the right players, right? And, that, and that's not always how I judge drafts, but I think we, we know what Sauce Gardner is. We have a feeling we know what Garrett Wilson is. I think the fact that they didn't go edge and that they went corner at four, I love that. I think the process was right. Um, trading as great as Brees Hall was, I mean, trading up for a running back, it's their fourth pick. That's fine. Um, and getting Jermaine Johnson, a guy that they loved 
you know, late first. I think that's fantastic. I th they've added good players. They've continued to make the roster better. It was one of the worst rosters in the NFL. It's gotten better and better over these last couple of years. And I know the Zach Wilson thing is like, oh, man, you really missed on that one. But it, it's okay, you know. It, it's okay to miss on You have to take shots on a quarterback. And it's okay if he's not if he doesn't end up being the guy, and you got to get someone else because Let, they've created a good foundation. Let's get out of here with this. What do you think about the AFC East moving forward? The Bills have won the division three, yeah. three consecutive years. Miami made the playoffs this year, um, and they're adding Vic Fangio, a, a very respected defensive coordinator, to the mix. You got the Patriots, who their offensive issues, are very stout defensively. They bring Bill O'Brien back, and then of course the Jets as well. It's a good division. I mean, let's not sour on the Bills just because they lost in the divisional right. round. They're the favorite. I mean, they're the best team in the league, uh, in the division. Josh Allen's a stud. I love what Miami did with Mike McDaniel. They showed the impact of uh, Tyree Kill and everything that he can do. Um, it's loaded, and the Patriots are going to be solid. You know, if they can get the most out of Mac Jones with Bill O'Brien, it's going to be another competitive division, and I think there's going to be some teams who are really good who end up maybe with not great records in the division just because it is really, really good top to bottom. Enjoyed it. Thanks for stopping by. All right. Thanks for having me. Official Pod is presented by WinBet Betting's Team Sport, but together at WinBet, it's been a long time since we've had the New York Post, Brian Costello. Yeah. On the home station. Guys, <laughs> how are you doing, buddy? I'm <laughs> good. You lose my number or what? <laughs> we, I guess well, we could have done this in New Jersey, but we decided <laughs> to do it in Arizona. Huh? That's right. I had to come to Arizona to get on the Jets pod. You would say at this point the Jets much further along oh, yeah. on the defensive line. And yeah, then the offensive line, you need some luck there with the injuries. Yeah, I mean, just oh. try. It yeah. hasn't been for lack of trying. He's used two first-round picks on the offensive line. He spent big money on Lake and Tomlinson, who I think didn't play as well as they hoped. Um, yeah, he needs some luck with, with injuries for sure. I mean, uh, it was was it nine different starting combinations, yes. I think, and four different left tackles, four different right tackles. It was pretty crazy. And it feels like it's been like that <laughs> a lot lately, a lot in the recent years. So they need some health luck there. And, uh, you know, Vera Tucker obviously was coming on when, when he got hurt. They yep. need him back healthy. And um, it's just there's, there's luck involved in this. And I know people don't want to hear that, but there is luck, especially when it comes to health. And I think that's the, the key on the offensive line and adding, a, you know, adding one or two more pieces probably. In your eyes, potentially how many new starters up front? I think probably two. I, I think it'll be a new center. I think Connor McGovern is a free agent. I think they'll let him go. I think one of the tackle spots will be a new player, free agent, draft. And then to me, it'll be Vera Tucker and Lakin at guard. And I think the other tackle spot will be either be Makai Becton or Max Mitchell. Um, whether they do a training camp competition, whether one guy has a leg up, I think the talking to them, they were pleasantly surprised what Mitchell did as a rookie. I don't think they expected that out of a fourth round right, pick. Right, I remember Salah saying he was going to be a project yeah. draft weekend. Yeah. yeah, he got thrust into that role right. with the injuries. And then Makai, I think they, they look at Makai right now as just whatever they get out of him is a bonus. I don't think they can say, hey, we're penciling him in for this because he's been two years. He yeah. hasn't played. So You saw him at the end of the year. looked like he's I, in really good shape. I was blown away, yeah? Eric. I, I, that was the baggy day. That was my biggest takeaway was, holy cow, like his face looked different. Mm. You know, he lost so much weight. and He's hired new agents. Uh, his, I know his agents. They're, they're, they're good guys. Uh, I heard he's staying in New Jersey. He's working. Um, you know, I, I've, I've, I've heard different things of 20 pounds, 30 pounds he's down. You know, so I think uh, if he can continue to do that and comes into camp shape in shape, I think the Jets coaches will be thrilled. I think Sal will be, you know, doing cartwheels that, that if he's in shape. Because 
the potential's there. Yeah. He saw it when he was healthy as a rookie. So I, I think if they can get any of Makai, they'll be thrilled. You said you're doing some research on Nathaniel Hackett. <laughs> what have the early returns been? Obviously, things didn't work out in Denver for yeah. a multitude of reasons, but he, he was in a different position there, too. As he I was. I think, I, don't, I think Denver, you have to look at through two lenses. Like, the, the game management stuff and that kind of thing, that doesn't matter anymore. Right. Like that, right? But I do have questions of why their offense looked as bad as it did. Um, I, you know, I'm wondering that. But I think it was a tough hire for Sala. Um you know, just they, they we don't know who the Jets quarterback is going to be. I think they're gonna well I'm sure we'll talk about this, but I'm sure they're gonna I'm sure they're, they're gonna swing for the fences, but you don't know who you're gonna get. So it's hard if you're a coach saying, Okay, I'm gonna come be the offense coordinator when you don't know who the quarterback's gonna be. And it does feel like this is an important year for this coaching staff and job security wise, where you can go with a coach who's a brand new hire somewhere and get you know you're gonna get two or three years out of it. So I think it was a hard hire. I I mean I I'm a players over coaches guy. Eric. <laughs> I think I think coaches, I think head coaches build culture. They do they do that stuff. But I think it's about players. So I think it's really about players. Um, you know, and so I think if they if they if Joe Douglas gives Nathaniel Hackett players, Nathaniel Hackett will look like a good coach. If if he's, if the players aren't that good, he's not probably not going to look like a good coach. So I go back to Jeff Ulbrich. Yeah. Right. His first year, the the worst defense in the league. Right. Oh, this guy. They're going to fire Ulbrich. No, they, they went out and got Sauce Gardner, DJ Reed, Carl Lawson came back. Quinton had the year of his life. All of a sudden, no one's talking about Jeff Ulbrich, you know. So I, I, I am more about players than coaches. But I, I think I, I'm going in with an open mind with Hackett, and I, I, I do think it's going to be key, you know, who's under center. Sauce Gardner, uh, he looks like he is a star already. Yeah. Huh? I tell you, I mean, you've watched a lot of rookies, and I've watched a lot of rookies. I've never seen anyone like Sauce. Um, he just, from day one, just looked like he belonged. The closest, I'd say, was Sheldon Richardson, mm. right? And that's, he won Rookie of the Year. <laughs> so Sheldon was like that. Sauce, Sauce was even more impressive because of the position. I think defensive line, it's a little easier to come into the league. Cornerback is so hard. There's so much to know. And I think there was, you know, a few mistakes early in the season, yeah. but hardly any. And... He, um, but his personality is so magnetic, too. He's a really yeah, oh yeah. dude. Yeah, I mean, he and Garrett both are, like, yeah. these great guys. And Brees. I mean, Brees I didn't get to know as well because he left, you know, in October. He was hurt. But I think character-wise, they did a great job adding to the locker room. And, yeah, Sauce is just um, – I think as he gets older, he's going to be a great leader in that locker room because people are drawn to him for sure. You mentioned Garrett before. How impressive was that rookie campaign considering – yeah. What, what was going on offensively? You could talk about the injuries. Yeah, Brees Hall goes out, so you know you're not going to go to him as much. And here's a guy who's averaging 6.8 yards a touch. You talk about the offensive line injuries that included AVT, yeah. who played three different positions before him going down yeah. for the year. And then we know what happened at quarterback. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, I know. I'm not you're burying the lead here, Eric. I'm, I'm, I'm going to get to the quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's incredibly impressive because yeah. there, there was so much turmoil at quarterback is the way I'll put it. Like, you know, three, three different quarter, starting quarterbacks in and out. There was weeks where the offense just wasn't finding any sort of rhythm. Um, that last game in Miami. He was amazing. He, he was amazing. That's I what mean, I told him. Yeah. I said that was your most impressive game. That was I incredible. Thought. It was yeah. incredible. Like, because there was nothing else working. <laughs> so I knew the ball was going to him. Miami knew the ball was going to him. And somehow he was catching it. And then he, would get, he was gaining yards after the catch. So I, I think he is just barely scratched the surface and if he has a you know a quarterback that is 
approaching Pro Bowl level or in that area, he, he could he could really break some records with like team records and things like that. Because getting a thousand yards was really amazing to me. There was games where he didn't have huge numbers, right. but he still at the end of the day, you know, came up with a thousand yard season. And you think of all the receivers we've watched between 2015 and 2022 that didn't do that. So I, I thought Garrett was really impressive, and I mean that was. Um, that, that's just this draft. I think is going to be one you're talking about for years. Oh yeah, there's no doubt about that. I mean, a lot of depth. Yeah. They got the star talents at the top. Okay, so you mentioned quarterback. Oh, here we so, go. So let's go. So you said swinging for the fences. I don't yeah. know. What's the home run? What's the triple? What's the double? What's the yeah. what's the single? How do you have? I'm Aaron rating? Rodgers. I'm in the Aaron Rodgers camp. Yeah. Um, I just I think the ceiling there is so high, and I know he didn't have the best year this year, but he had a thumb injury. He had rookie receivers. Um, Do you think he's playing next year? I I don't. The, the piece of this I have no idea, and I don't pretend to know is what Aaron Rodgers is thinking. Like yes. I'm watching Pat McAfee every Tuesday, like everybody <laughs> yes. else, and. You know, I'm trying to get this this retreat, the dark this darkness retreat that he's doing. Did you see that one today? Yeah, we were talking about this. Yeah, My, myself and producer yeah. Chris Evans. Yeah. Anyone who has kids would would sign up for that in a heartbeat, right? <laughs> Four days in a dark room. I'll, let me go. Um, but no, I don't know what Aaron's going to want to do. I don't know Aaron at all. So I, you know, but I think if he wants to play, and if it's not going to be in Green Bay, I think the Jets are an attractive team because they they're close. Um, they they're very close and. Uh, you know, I don't know how he feels about New York and all that whole thing, but if I'm Joe Douglas, that's who I'm going for. And, um, you know, there's a cost that comes with that financially and also draft compensation. But I think. So if Rodgers does want to play and him and Green Bay decide yeah. this is best for both of us to part ways, do you have to have an internal deadline as an organization? Yeah. Uh, uh, for That's anybody, a tough part. let's just say hypothetical. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm going to say hypothetical for any any player, but especially at the quarterback. Position. Yeah, that's a hard part. I, I do think I think you need you know mid March because. Garoppolo will be a free agent in March, yeah. so you do have to kind of play a little bit of a game here of when are you gonna, when are you gonna jump? And I think Rodgers is well aware of that for not just the Jets but all these other teams making decisions. Right. And the Packers have to know what their payroll looks like without with or without Rodgers. So I, I think he'll. I think he'll, he's gonna have a decision shortly after the Super Bowl. It's sort of what he's hinted at, mm -hmm. and you'll know. But yeah, I I would not. I know some people have speculated will the Packers want to do the deal after June first because that'll help them cap wise. I don't think you can do that if you're the Jets. I think you need this guy. You need to know, even if he's not gonna be there all spring, you need you still like you want him to have the playbook. You want to be talking to him. You want to get that ball rolling. I don't think you want to wait until the summer to do it. Levels after that though. Uh, after that, I'd go Carr. I, I, I actually, I actually like Garoppolo. I, I, I think Garoppolo and Carr are right there. I, I, I sort of like Garoppolo. I know he hasn't been able to stay healthy, but I think at some point he's got to have some luck health-wise, and I think Salah has familiarity with him, yep. which would help. He's been in this offense. You know, Hackett's going to run a similar offense to, to what uh, he saw in San Francisco. So, uh, you know, I, I like him. Carr... I, I think it was right there for me. I, I just have some questions about how come he, he didn't achieve more with the Raiders. It always felt like there was kind of like a plateau for him. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, I think if they get one of those three, they would have been in the playoffs this year. Yeah, like That's kind of what, the, in my mind, is like, okay, would they have won ten games with one of those three? Yeah, I think so. I think you can find three games that they would have won. So that – you know, that, that's what you got to do now. You got you to make the playoffs. So uh, those are the guys to me, and then there's a drop-off after them. 
You gonna get any sleep this off season covering this? No, I won't. You know, I, it's uh, always about the quarterback. Yeah, it's it's unbelievable. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> they keep drafting them. Okay, all right. Well, we got five years out. Of, you know, no, no quarterback questions, and it never happens. Right. <laughs> yeah. What do you think's going to happen with Mike White? Both him and Flacco uh, expiring contracts. Yeah, there. I think they'll probably move. And White did some good things. He, he did. Played. I think White is a quality, quality backup. Right. And people react negatively when I say that. Like, I, I think that's what he is, and I think he can make a lot of money in the NFL being that guy. Do you see him competing for a job next year, or do you think? No, I think somebody will sign him as the, the uh, high number two. Um, you know, and I think, he'll have his, I think he'll have his pick of situations, and he'll probably pick a good situation for him where maybe the quarterback isn't firmly entrenched. Uh, I just, with Zach's presence, you know, they've been emphatic that Zach is going to be on the yeah. Jets this year. Uh, I just don't see where White fits in, right? If they're going to sign the veteran free agent, or trade to be the starter, Zach is there. Why would White want to be coming into that situation where there's three, you know, now he's going to be the third guy or part of three? Um, I think he'll probably end up somewhere else. But, you know, I it stinks. I, I like talking to Mike White in the locker room. I thought he did some really good things. I thought he had a chance at the end of the year to kind of win the job. Yeah. But the broken ribs just changed everything. I know. I think what could have been going back to Minnesota. I didn't. Yeah. Th I didn't think that game was going to haunt them. To be honest with you, when we left there, <laughs> I really didn't. No. Uh, yeah. Why would you? That was the beginning. You know. <laughs> Chris, 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 Chris ha is haunted. Yeah. Yeah. Chris was haunted from that one. I, I did think that. Okay. You lost an opportunity there. You're seven and five. You got plenty it's, of games it's, there. It's that's the one though. Talking to people in the Jets front office and coaching staff yeah. and stuff, when you talk to them for a while, they just start to go Minnesota, and they just <laughs> you see the fight because that was so, that in hindsight now, there's that one and Detroit are really the ones that were like okay they could have easily won those right. games and didn't you know because the other you know I thought the Buffalo game up there they were close but I thought Buffalo beat them right and Jacksonville beat them. And then the end was the end. You know, Seattle, they were playing with a bunch of injured guys. So, so. after quarterback, do you go offensive line? Oh, absolutely. And, and, then, and then where would so you So here's, here's the, the good news, yeah. right? Is It's hard to figure out after that what it is. And I've made this joke many that, years in a row. That's outstanding news. Yeah, I've made this joke many years in a row that going in the offseason, I've always said, oh, it's a Noah's Ark offseason for Joe Douglas. He needs two of everything. Mm -hmm. It's not the case anymore. He really, he's really done a good job our last two years of filling the needs. So I think it's depth now. Um, you know, I think that they'll they'll continue to add on the defensive line, and they'll always do that. Linebackers, a little bit of a question, right? Is Quincy? Do they? Do they I think they want to re-sign Quincy. Does Quincy have a big market? Uh, that would, some of the talk in Mobile was that he will have a big market. So do you we'll think there's a chance they could get done? Prior to, or you think he did test the market? I think they could get it done. Yeah, yeah. I it depends on. I guess it depends on where, where the Jeff's offer is. I mean, you know, I think he probably wants to be back. He seemed to enjoy himself. Yeah. All the indications where he wanted to be back, and you know, with his brother. I, I so I think they could get it done. But linebacker to me is a question. And CJ, uh, CJ's not going anywhere now, but CJ's not going to be here for a whole long time. So they got to start thinking about that. Do they add something? Add some more to the linebacker room? Safety. Is Lam I don't know what Lamarcus's future is. Uh, do they? You know, I could see them maybe drafting a safety uh, to fill that role. So I, I, but they're not the 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 big holes are quarterback and a line. Yeah. And I also receiver depth because I don't know if Corey Davis will be back. Um, so, but it's really more now about depth and building those positions out, which is is light years different from the last I don't know three years, yeah. four years, whatever it's been. 
Jets fans, we're in our final push and the clock is ticking. WinBet is giving you a golden opportunity to win VIP prizes for the 2023 season. The WinBet Green Room is the most exclusive space at the stadium with all-inclusive food and beverage, lower-level seats, and appearances by Jets legends and celebrities. New Jersey customers, all you need to do is wager at least $100 on WinBet Sportsbook or Casino. For New York customers, all you need to do is wager at least $100 on WinBet's Sportsbook. The best part? You get an entry for every $100 you wager. Official pod is presented by WinBet. Betty's a team sport, but together at WinBet, we're here with Sam Amonson, who is the lead pro football focused NFL analyst and co-host of the very popular pro football focused NFL podcast. So great uh, to see you. Yeah, thanks for having me. Hey, so let's talk a little Jets football. Sauce Gardner, mm. impressive for a rookie, but also you guys had him graded top cornerback overall anybody in the National Football League yeah I mean impressive for a rookie like doesn't come close to doing it justice it, I, cornerback I think is one of the hardest if not the hardest position to come in and be really good right away at most corners struggle year one they they give up a ton they give up touchdowns they get beat Sauce Gardner didn't I mean from day one he looked absolutely at home as one of the best corners in the league and it just kept going you know after the first few weeks you were sort of asking like, is this guy one of the top corners in the league already? And it was like, ah, you know, it's a month. Let's, let's chill. Let's, let's give it a little bit. But it just never stopped. Over the course of the entire season, he kept going. And if anything was getting better as the year wore on, he put himself in that sort of Richard Sherman bracket where it was pointless even testing him deep because he's got such a huge wingspan and, like, the, the location on the ball you need to get it in over his coverage deep down the field is crazy. Um, he gave up one touchdown all season long, and it was like a miscommunication in the secondary. It wasn't like him getting beat. Like, he'll dispute that touchdown, and <laughs> you can see why, you know what I mean? Right. But we have it on him. So, I mean, that's as good a rookie season as you're going to see, and, and it is as good as any corner in the league right now. What was your expectation for him coming out of Cincinnati before he was drafted number four overall? I liked him as a prospect. I think, you know, him and Derek Stingley was an interesting sort of conversation. Which guy do you prefer at the top? And... Stingley had that incredible freshman season at LSU and then sort of tailed off and wasn't the same guy between injuries and, and everything else. And then Gardner was the guy with this incredible college resume, but it was at the University of Cincinnati. And you're right. sort of saying, well, you know, could he do it if he was in the SEC going up against the likes of the, the players that Derek Stingley was covering every single week? And sort of every step of the way, he, like, answered the call, whether it was with uh, against Alabama in the playoffs, whether it was then running a 4-4 to sort of, um, convince everybody that he was he was quick and, and not as um, slow as sometimes the tape looked. You know, he's got a sort of, I think, slightly unusual body type, which maybe makes the, the his tape look a little strange in terms of outright speed. But every step of the way, he was answering those questions and looking really good. And I thought he'd be a good corner pretty quickly. I, I like. I actually think he's a better um, zone corner than he is in press man. Like That's again, with the body type. That's the way he's described, like this big, long, physical corner, you know, press man type of specialist. But I actually think he has a better feel for zone coverage and, and the instinct of, you know, what routes are going to be attacking his zone, where the threats are coming from, where to maneuver to sort of squeeze throwing lanes and all that kind of thing. And that's the kind of thing I think that does translate quickly. Like if you already have a good feel for that stuff coming out, I think you'll probably be a good NFL player pretty quickly. 
But even so, hugely surprised from, you know, maybe this guy will be pretty good right away to, like, he's as good as anybody right now. The book on him coming out was, yeah, he's going to excel in man press. Yeah. He, he can get after receivers. He's so long. Uh, he is good at the line. But with that being said, how much did you see him in zone at Cincinnati? And then what did the Jets do with him early in the season? And then once they started to see what he can do, what his skill set translated to the National Football League, how did they expand the Sauce Gardner um, skill set? Yeah, I mean, I think the good thing for the Jets is it isn't just one guy. You know, they've got DJ Reed on the other side who had a great season himself. Um, and that that's what gives you strength, like the ability to be able to move guys around, the ability to be able to rely on both sides of the, the defense and not have to, you know, try and get your best coverage guy lined up with their best receiver or, or sort of figure out how to stop opposing offense is just not targeting him anymore. You know, and that I think is where the Jets have real strength is that they can do whatever they want with those two guys. Like they're capable of moving around. They're both capable of holding up their end of the bargain against elite playmakers. I think that's one of the reasons like he's going to continue to be good because teams can't just say, forget it. We're not going to target him anymore. We're going to go somewhere else with the football. Um, I think that was always the strength of Darrell Rivas. You know, when they moved him around and they used him to track receivers, even into the slot, they basically forced you to keep targeting Darrell Rivas. Right. There was no option to stop targeting him unless you were willing to just sacrifice your best receiver in that game and say, no, we're not going to throw the ball to Andre Johnson today, like, which is nuts. No offense is going to do that. So being able to force a, an offense to keep targeting your best cover guys I think is a huge asset for a defense. I think the Jets are able to do that because of how they can use both those two guys. Were you surprised at all by Reed's success? Because if you look back in Seattle, you guys had good grades on DJ Reed yeah. before he signed here in free agency. Now he looks like one of the best bargains we saw last spring. And I think a big part of that is because Sauce was really good as well. Like So much of cornerback play, I think, is dependent on what else is in the defense. And I think James Bradbury for the Eagles in the Super Bowl is a good example of that, right? When he had to be the number one guy for the Giants, it was a struggle because he was targeted. He was going up against those elite receivers. With the Eagles, he can be more of a number two or a complementary piece to Darius Slay on the other side. They have a better pass rush up front. That's going to impact the coverage play as well. And all of a sudden you see, you know, Bradbury is capable of playing like one of the better corners in the NFL in that sort of situation. So I think DJ Reed is a good corner. I think he's another guy where he got a little bit unfairly um, miscast early in his career because of size, because of body type, right? You yeah. look at him and you say, slot. You know, he's a slot yeah. or he's a safety, right? We can't hang up. He can't hold up on the outside against six foot four wide receivers. He just doesn't have that size and, and ability, but he does. Like he's actually at his best doing that. And it's another example where I think sometimes you got to look at what these guys did in college and trust that they're going to be able to do it at the next level. Like they, they didn't, you know, there's a much tighter correlation between projecting players at the college level to the NFL level if they're doing the same thing. Mm -hmm. And particularly, I think slot corners get this a lot where, you know, smaller guys, you, you say, well, he's got to be a slot at the next level. He's too small. Um, but if he didn't do it in college, it's a big gamble to think that he can just move inside and play that role just because he's small or because he's got movement skills. A lot like the, of traffic in there. Yeah, and the guys that do really well at the NFL level are generally speaking the guys that did it in college, yeah. and we already know that they can cover the slot to a really high level. So I think once the Seahawks realized that they had a guy that could play on the outside, he, he showed what a good player he was, 
and the Jets just reap the benefits of that. We were talking about Garrett Wilson before. He's actually on hand here in Phoenix, Arizona. What did you think about his year considering the Jets' instability at the quarterback position throughout? Yeah, I mean, when you consider what he was dealing with in terms of a quarterback situation, I think he had an incredible year. At one point, most of the way through the season, if you kind of took away the Zach Wilson games and just looked at the, his numbers when it was Flacco or Mike White throwing in the ball, kind of extrapolated that out to a full season, he was having a Jamar Chase kind of year. Like, right. those are the sorts of numbers he was putting up. Um, and he's just good at everything. I mean, he was my favorite receiver in that year's draft class. I thought he was the number one guy. Reminded me quite a lot of uh, Stephon Diggs in terms of maybe playing a little bit bigger than his size and just being very good at everything across the board. I think he led all wide receivers in broken tackles. Like yeah. Once you got the ball in his hands, he was making things happen and making special plays. Just a really, really capable receiver across the board. It's interesting that you say Diggs because early on when you started to see his ascension, like he does have similar qualities, but he might even be better in the open field as far as... Oh, yeah. 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 With the ball in his hands, yeah. I think he is. But even that... I think that's something that Diggs did more earlier in his career as well. Like the Vikings, when he was playing for them, they would get the ball in his hands on a lot of like receiver screens and that kind of thing. And he was very good after the catch. Certainly when it was, you know, Diggs and Thielen as that kind of one-two punch, um, like Diggs was the guy that was doing the run after the catch stuff and a lot of the, the quick bubble screens and that kind of thing. So I think they do have a lot of similarities. But, I mean, that's only obviously a good thing for, for Wilson. Quinn Williams, what do you think about his – uh, breakout campaign. I mean, the guy became one of the top interior players in all football. He really did, and there was a bunch of those interior guys that all kind of broke out this year, whether it was Quinton Williams, Dexter Lawrence, um, you know, Christian Wilkins, all sorts of young interior guys had dominant seasons. And I think Williams was well on his way to a defensive player of the year kind of season. Maybe wasn't quite the same guy once he got hurt and came back. Never, I think, quite got back to where he was, but I mean, he showed the ability to absolutely take over games and, and dominate up front and it's kind of a similar career arc for him that it was in college he took a little bit of time right. to get going at Alabama and then that final season before he was drafted was as good as certainly anybody in the nation that year and, and arguably as good as anybody we've seen since PFF has been great in college he's still a young guy too yeah yeah absolutely and, and a couple years under his belt now and he continues to get better and better people are mentioning him amongst the likes of Chris Jones, Fletcher Cox, mm -hmm. Aaron Donald, what do you think? I mean, this season I think he absolutely showed he can play at that kind of level. And again, same thing at Alabama. It took a little bit of time to get going, but once he was there, once he sort of hit that stride, he was unblockable um, in college. And I think we're seeing that at the NFL level. If he gets back and picks up next year where he left off this year and, and doesn't get the injury, I mean, we're talking about a guy who can go toe-to-toe -to -toe with Chris Jones. Jets are committed to finding a veteran quarterback here this spring. When you look at what potentially is out there, who would be a good fit in your eyes? I mean, you have to love what Aaron Rodgers would look like in this offense. I thought, weirdly, Tom Brady made a lot of sense before he really? retired. Yeah, I mean, the Jets, to me, are the best situation out there for a quarterback who wants to step into a team that can win tomorrow. You know, a team, if you're a Tom Brady or an Aaron Rodgers or whoever it is, and you're saying, who can get me a Super Bowl before I hang them up? The Jets are that team. I mean, they should have made the playoffs this year despite the quarterback situation that they did have and the upgrade from anybody that was throwing the ball this year to an Aaron Rodgers or a Tom Brady would be massive. And obviously, you know, Rodgers is going to come with the complicating factor of whatever you need to give up in a trade. But 
Yeah, I mean, this, this team is ready to win. It's, the defense is incredible. I think the skill position players are really good. The offensive line should be a lot better than it was last year because you have to assume they're not going to be as badly hit with injuries right. going forward. Um, and even if you have to give up something in trade, I think it's probably worth it. So beyond Rodgers, where would you be looking? Well, the question then becomes, you know, how much do you value a baseline of solidity? You know, how much is a Derek Carr worth to you because you know he'll be okay? He'll yep. be good. He'll be average, right? Um, and I think, again, that's an interesting decision because it's not going to be the same answer for every team in the NFL, but for a team like the Jets who just needs to know that they have a guy that's not going to drag the thing down, I think that's probably valuable to them. Like a Derek Carr could come in and you have a pretty high degree of certainty that he will give you at least average NFL starting play, which will make the Jets a good team. Their problem is, in this division, that's still a tough spot because Buffalo's not going anywhere with Josh Allen. Miami looked incredible until Tua was dealing with all of his concussions. The Patriots, for whatever they're going through, are never going to suck over the course of a year. Right. And with Bill O'Brien coming in, the offense will probably be better next year. So the Jets kind of have to look at this and say, I mean, an average quarterback is definitely an upgrade over a year ago, but is it enough to take the division from the Bills? Is it enough to you know, go toe-to-toe -to -toe with what Miami can do with Tyreek Hill and that offense? That's the only question mark for them. After quarterback, where would you stress priorities for this team throughout the offseason? I think they probably need to attack that offensive line still. And even if you're, you're going to get guys back and healthy, I think there were, we just saw too many weaknesses this season. Offensive line is, is a spot now in the NFL where you need depth and you need contingency because most teams are going to start missing offensive linemen for various parts of the season. The, the Dolphins are a great example, right? They go and bring in Teron Armstead at left tackle. Made a huge difference to that team. Massive upgrade. But Teron Armstead is always going to miss time. He's got like a pretty lengthy injury history, and his, the chances are you're going to get 75% of the season from Armstead. So you need a backup. You need a contingency plan for the three, four, five games he's not going to be playing. So I think the Jets need to keep adding bodies to that offensive Nine line. Nine different offensive line combinations last right. year. Right. It's just huge. And obviously, you don't expect to have that kind of volume next year, but you need to be able to go to the sixth guy and say, you know, your swing tackle needs to be able to come in, play, and not ruin the game plan over that time. So I think they can keep adding bodies to that line and make sure that whoever the quarterback is next year has the best chance possible. Elijah Vera Tucker? Yeah. Where, I mean, are, you, where are you with him? I mean, his versatility off the charts last year in seven games. He, uh, hopefully he comes back 100%. Absolutely. I really like what he can be going forward. I think they need to settle on a position for him and, and give him a shot to just learn one spot, lock it in, and, and be a, a plus player for them. But I think he's shown in flashes at, at all positions he's played, actually, that he can be a real guy at the next level. Well, it's going to be a fascinating offseason for the New York Jets, as it always is. Sam's been killing it at Pro Football Focus since around 2008 when you, <laughs> when you guys started. So uh, we appreciate you coming by today. No problem. Thanks for having me.